0: Thank you for tuning in to the Maximum Advisor Podcast. If you're a growth-minded financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice, you're in the right place. Your host, Chip Mun brings tips and best practices based on his experiences and has guests from financial advisors to industry experts sharing wisdom with one another because we're better together. And now, Chip Munn.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Maximum Advisor podcast. Today I am talking with the Director of Marketing in my practice, Bobby Adkins. Bobby, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Chip.
1: How's it going?
2: It's good, it's good.
1: I think this will be neat for our listeners to be able to really just learn a little bit today from you about branding and positioning our practices. I know that you've done a lot of work with us and I felt like it would be good for our listeners really just to kind of learn. But before we do that and jump right in, Tell us uh, or, or tell our listeners, because I know, how is it that you got into working with financial advisors? What did you do before? Kind of give us a little bit about your background.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I consider myself a complete outsider in the finance industry. I also consider that my superpower in, in the role of marketing director for you guys. My entrepreneurial career really started as a real estate agent when I was in my early 20s. I started as a real estate agent and became a top producer in my first few months there. And when everybody around me, all the other agents around me wanted to know what I was doing different or how I was doing it, I quickly realized that it wasn't because I was an expert on the local real estate market, but because I was a natural marketer. I'm a quick start and I'm a creative. And I think those two things combined catapulted me into what is now a decade in marketing career. From there, I really started replicating what I did for myself for other agents and kind of building their niche in the market. And then I quickly transitioned from that into being recruited by an international digital marketing agency and working behind the scenes for a few years with them where I was building marketing platforms for all kinds of brands, all kinds of corporations. The spectrum of of companies that we were working behind the scenes for was, was huge. So did that for a few years, really kind of built my marketing skill set there and then stepped out on my own and started my own marketing agency where I focused on building platforms for entrepreneurs and thought leaders. I'll say in quotations for anybody who's not really familiar with what that means. It's really kind of the Wellness and spiritual consulting entrepreneur space where these clients are coaching and motivating others under platforms like Oprah and Tony Robbins and Deepak Chopra. So that kind of was my audience in my agency for years. And then I crossed paths with Chip Munn actually through your wife, uh, who found me online when you were looking to do a project to build a digital platform for advisors. And then from working on that project with you, we transitioned into somehow, uh, me ending up here. At Signature Wealth as your in house marketing director. And from here, I really am responsible for the branding and the strategic vision of the enterprise and then all of our branches and affiliate partners. So I have a a kind of a unique path. It is not the typical I came up the corporate ladder in the finance industry. But again, I really think that that's what makes me uniquely well positioned for. For where we are today,
1: and and we're lucky, by the way, that 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 worked out. Trish, my wife, was kind enough to get us connected on that, and it has it's been a really interesting road as we jump into things. What's been the biggest surprise or or the most difficult thing for you to get used to in the financial advisor space compared to some of the other areas where you had uh, had worked with other service based entrepreneurs?
2: One word. Do you know the word? Can you guess the word?
1: I probably can, but go
2: for it. Compliance. Even after working with attorneys, working with people who have pretty regulated industries, I have never come across anything like dealing with compliance departments in our industry and trying to really figure out how to do the things that all other industries are doing in the marketing world without you know, completely having to strip it down to... To something that's not really effective, so finding a way to navigate the compliance waters so that we can still put out a proper brand message has been definitely the most complicated piece of it. but I like a good puzzle, so I think it's working out okay.
1: Well, and I would say I mean, for any compliance officers who are listening, we love our compliance department and uh, and we've been fortunate they've been really willing to work with us to make sure that that we are able to put together a proper brand, and really to get that out kind of into the, the marketplace. When you think about branding, Bobby what, what, is, what do you mean by that? What is branding?
2: Okay, so what branding is not is much easier, quick. If you think that your logo is your brand or a color palette is your brand, you're slightly misguided. Your brand really is what people think when they hear the name of your business, the name of your company, your name. Your brand really is your reputation, it's your culture, it's how you kind of show up in the market, in the world, in, in whatever space it is that you're in. So really your brand and then the positioning of that brand is the unique way that your brand shows up in the market.
1: Gotcha. So one of the things I think that that a lot of our listeners probably deal with is they may feel like either their brand isn't well-developed or it's something that's passed on to them by the company that they work with or work for. Why, from your standpoint, why does it matter? What, what is the reason that an advisor, an individual advisor, or, or a team, why is it important that they build their own kind of personal or team brand?
2: I think that really it's, it's crucial in any and every local market that you are Standing out from your competition, that you are the go to expert for your niche or your micro niche in your market, in your local area. So, your brand positioning really is is the key to accomplishing that. Once you figure out who you are and how to package that up, it really sets you apart from everybody else. And if you don't do that, then really you don't stand a chance at bringing in new leads, at prospecting, at being known in your community as the go to person. I think that once you get really crystal clear on who you are, what you and your team bring to the table that's unique, what your clients love most about working with you, which is key. It's not just who you think they are. It's who they think you are and why they love you. You really have to package that up and then you lead with it.
1: Well, and I I think that you mentioned lead generation. And one of the things I think any advisor would tell you is that it's incredibly important to any financial advisory practice, especially one that wants to grow to generate new perspective relationships. And so what I'm hearing you say, I think, is that you believe defining defining the brand really can help drive that. Am I right?
2: It doesn't just help drive that. I think it's really the only driver of that. If you don't have an identity of some sort and you don't know exactly who it is that you serve and how you serve them, I don't know how there's a, any kind of client or even prospect relationship to begin with. So I think it's like it's the absolute foundational piece. If it doesn't exist, you're kind of just winging everything, and you're not going to get very far.
1: Yeah, that I mean that makes complete sense. So you you've looked at, at brand positioning from a standpoint of I think that when you began working with us, one of the things that you did was take a look at it from the standpoint of the of the client or the customer, and really one of the things that that I've found is that. It's tough for financial advisors to articulate, you know, one of the challenges is is really breaking down the things that we do and being able to explain those in, in ways that average folks, the kinds of folks that we want to meet, would be able to understand and, and use in terminology that they understand. Would you would you agree with that? And and what are some other challenges that you've seen? financial advisors have when it comes to really trying to build a brand and, and put it out there?
2: I have to say that, number one, you're absolutely dead on with kind of the advisor is not a marketing person. So the advisor does not know how to sit down and craft a beautiful message that's going to really convert prospects to clients. However, when an advisor does sit down to do this, they sit down with a piece of paper and they write, this is my marketing plan. Or this is my brand. And then they start writing out what they think their brand is. They start writing out what, how they want to market it. And they don't really kind of do the legwork, the discovery work, if you will, to get that information first. They're just writing what they think they're supposed to be writing because that's what everybody else tells them that that's what you need to do. That's how you market things. Everybody in the industry does A, B, and C. So we obviously need to do A, B, and C, right? Wrong. The biggest mistake, in my opinion, that any advisor can make is following the crowd, like sticking into your industry. And it's not just advisors. Real estate agents are awful for this. Insurance agents are awful for this. Most service-based businesses that have their own kind of industry standards tend to just do what everybody else is doing because obviously that works. But what you're doing is painting yourself kind of backwards into a corner where you, you have no options at that point to do things different, to expand, to get new customers, because you're always in direct competition with everybody else in your industry. You're all offering the same thing. You're all saying the same thing. You're all positioning yourself the same way. And I mean, I just, it's silly. It's completely working against you instead of working for you. So don't do what everybody else is doing. Number one piece of advice. Look outside of your industry for inspiration. If you're looking to hire a marketing person or if you're hiring an agency to help you write copy for your website or write out your brand message, don't hire companies that market specifically for financial advisors. And that may not be like well received advice for everybody, but I I think it's true. And if you do find, you know, kind of that rebel, that rogue marketing person that works with people in the industry but only does so when those people agree to do things outside of the box or look at inspiration elsewhere. So following the crowd does not work for you here. You have to differentiate yourself and that's not the way to do it. So that's, that's the number one thing that I see people do wrong is trying to kind of get in line and look like everybody else.
1: Have you seen any, and I don't know that you Spend a lot of time, uh, especially outside of work, looking at financial ads. But one of the things it seems to me that has occurred over the last, I don't know, six months or so, is that a lot of the ads, even on TV, regardless of whether they are coming from a what used to be a discount brokerage firm or a a big financial shop, it, it seems like now everybody is is saying the same things. To your point, and so what I. Th- I think I hear you saying is that really all that does is is put you in the middle of an kind of an undifferentiated mess.
2: Yeah, you're just creating competition for yourself. And who like who does that? Why would you go out and create competition for yourself when you could jump out of that box and go lead in a completely different direction or a slightly different direction. We'll dig into kind of some details as to Ways that I think are the easiest, most efficient ways for you to do that. So I'm not just going to tell you don't follow everybody else. I'll, I'll get into su- some suggestions on what you can do instead.
1: So really more the, the notion that different is better than better?
2: I would definitely agree with that.
1: <laughs> I think I heard that somewhere.
2: I, I think that that's number one challenge for financial advisors in positioning their practice or their brand is really lack of standing out. It's painting yourself into a box and following the crowd. So don't do that, in my opinion. That's, that's the biggest challenge you'll have is if you put yourself in that corner, it's hard to get out of. So, but with that being said, I think next is kind of a, a case of mistaken identity or having no identity at all. And this is probably the next biggest thing that I see is that people kind of do... I've seen advisors do one of two things. So you either see advisors who come in and they either leave maybe uh, a firm that they were with or they just come out of school and they know that they're going to start their own practice. And so they sit down and drop a logo and choose their color palette and write a few marketing statements as to who they are and what they sell. Now, likely these are also sounding exactly what I, like what I just said before, what everybody else in the industry is doing. That business owner, while they are absolutely kind of digging in and and doing business and trying to set themselves up for success, I think there's still a huge problem in that they haven't done the background work. They don't really know the answers to these questions. They can't really position themselves because they haven't quite figured out who they are yet. So they kind of just jump in ahead of the curve and and start to create stuff. We'll call them the leap before you look guys. And then you're you're kind of stuck with a I have a brand and now let me go try to sell it. I'm going to put a big red X X by that. So the next guy is the, I'm sorry, the next guy really is our leap before you look guy. The next guy decided to just jump in with client work, start taking clients, get really good at your service, deliver a great client experience, and really just kind of hustle through referrals. And then five years later, he's got a great what looks like a great business behind the scenes and to his clients, but on the front end, he really looks unprofessional. He looks really confused on the outside and he attracts all the wrong clients and eventually burns out his team and then is stuck sitting there going, why is everything always on fire? And how do I put it out? So that guy kind of did the opposite. He didn't create a logo. He didn't create marketing statements. He's probably never marketed himself anywhere. It's mostly word of mouth people coming to him, and he's done a great job you know, building a practice. But he completely missed the, the branding himself and positioning himself so that he could draw in his ideal clients and work for people that he wants to work with. So both of these guys, the guy who threw together a basic brand but didn't really even have a business to brand, so he didn't know what he was branding, and then the guy who really just jumped into perfecting a service and never really branded at all, made it really far, but now he's kind of hit a wall and needs to regroup. So both of those guys, in my opinion, skipped the initial work that a brand foundation is built on. But I do think that they can both pause where they are and start at the same place with really building a brand and positioning it well and move forward from there. So... All of that to say that my number two kind of biggest challenge that I see is the mistaken identity.
1: One of the things that was hardest for me in, in building my career is the notion that over the years, I always felt like there was a particular mold of speech, of dress uh, that we needed to fall into as, uh, as an advisor. There were certain things that were expected there were ways that things were to be done. But one of the things I also think that we're starting to see now is a group of advisors who are really kind of going against that to really be kind of focus on authenticity and to really dig deep on who they are and how they are and being really comfortable kind of sharing that with, with the world. I, I don't know that the tribe concept is necessarily what they're going for, but it's definitely, I've seen some folks who are really getting it right in terms of, of being authentic, to really being willing to kind of put themselves out there. And, and I think that from my standpoint, it, it's, I believe that people do business with people and ultimately being in a situation where there's only one you and, and there's only you know one team light like years and the ability, I think, that uh, to, to build an identity around that, I think you're right, is, is incredibly important.
2: And I, I think that the trick there is you don't really know what your company culture is. You don't know who you are as a team until you dive in and really do some work, work with some clients, get used to that client feedback, because the client feedback really is, is huge. Because you're you're building the brand, whether you're intentionally building it or not. Everybody on the outside sees you and your company and your team as as something. So, what do they see you as? Um, it's kind of up to you, but no, you really don't know that until you kind of dive in, in. In my opinion, so I think that chances are you didn't craft the way that you want to be seen. You didn't craft your brand really intentionally yet. But I think now you can likely pause and regroup and do that. So you can really package up who you, the best parts of who you are and how you work and the service that you provide. And, and that's what you lead with from now on. Now that you're in it, you know these things. You just have to kind of dig in and do the work and answer some questions and be really real and honest and authentic about them. And, and that's how you're going to kind of get really clear on who you are, who your team is. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what your brand is.
1: Now, one of the things that uh, I think a, a lot about when I talk to advisors is the notion of marketing. And, and so that really, I think that in the mind of a lot of advisors, w- what we really want to get to is is the fun stuff, is the marketing. What's the difference, Bobby, between branding and marketing?
2: Okay, I'm going to put it this way. I'm going to say branding is your who. So... Your brand establishes who you are and positions you strategically in front of your ideal audience. It's your values, your culture, your story, your message. And it really is then can also include some of what I consider the fun stuff to be, which is the visuals and the vibe, the images, the colors, the the fun design piece of it. All that together is kind of the brand, the who you're putting out to the world. That is not marketing at all. Branding is really painting the picture of who you are and you can set yourself up on a pedestal and you can be beautiful but if you don't then take action and market that brand you've done nothing with it you're not it's it doesn't it's not just a magnet that brings in clients and prospects you have to go get them so the marketing is the how it's really how you convey your brand to the world it's it's the vehicle that drives you kind of off of that pedestal and into traffic where it goes out, it engages with the ideal prospects and it waves them back in to kind of join you for a conversation, whatever that looks like. So the branding is who you are and, and how you look. The marketing is kind of how you mobilize that, how you go out and and make something of it. Does that make Taking sense? The
1: message, absolutely. Taking the message to the world, right?
2: Right, absolutely. and And you should know too that like, they're both necessary. So you don't need to go hire someone to do your branding or hire someone to do your marketing. You can't really choose. You need both. And one absolutely comes before the other and that's branding. So you start with branding once you're super clear and your team is super clear and everybody's super clear on who you are and has really done some kind of deep diving work to solidify that. Then you move on to the marketing piece. And really, if you keep those two things in line, most people really don't do a full-on you know, branding before they start marketing. And it just gets messy. You spend a lot more money on converting strangers, leads, prospects into clients if you're not clear on who you are. You're going to have to get in front of a lot more people and cast a much wider net and do a lot more work vetting those people when they do come to you. And it's going to cost you a lot more per lead at the end of the day, per conversion at the end of the day, to market to these people if you aren't clear on your brand.
1: You sounded like an internet marketer just now, by the way. I and, try and not to cost per lead and and you know some of those terms that yeah you know, I'll admit that for a long time I, I didn't yeah you know, we took the approach of we live you know we live and work. Uh, in, in a small town in, in my kind of original practice. And it was really kind of our approach that, that we were just active in the community and, and our brand was us and, and they associated us with, with the company we used to work for. But really, we, we thought that community service was our form of, of marketing. And, and really, one of the things I think that I've kind of come to, to believe is that was really more brand positioning, actually, than it was getting out in marketing, but we'll do it. We'll do a different podcast. Uh, I hope on on marketing and and kind of getting into some of the details of how we take that message to the world. And and you can use all the fancy terms of you know cost per lead and, and those kinds of things. Because I don't think that you know that that's part of studying kind of outside. I think of of our typical industry when you look at the branding either that you've you've seen or or when we dive into some of these challenges that we've kind of talked about in in terms of of what advisors face, do you have any suggestions as to how we can solve some of these problems? What are some of the ways that we should be looking at uh, or thinking of how we can improve developing our brand?
2: Absolutely. You know I have some answers here for you. So I want to start with saying that if our two big challenges are being too in the box not pulling yourself outside of the industry, not creating something unique for yourself. That's number one. And then really, the mistaken identity is number two. So maybe you did figure out that you know, you want to dive in and you don't want to do what everybody else is doing, but you didn't really know where to start or what you were doing. So we have kind of that, the mistaken identity situation. I want to give you a solution for each of those. So for number one, if your goal is to differentiate yourself, you do not want to look and sound like everybody else in the industry. We want to figure out how to do that. That's the first thing we want to tackle. So I'm calling this the Blue Ocean Strategy, which is not something that I came up with. Um, I bet a lot of you have heard, if you've been in business you know, for more than a week, of the Blue Ocean Strategy book and the newer one, which is the Blue Ocean Shift book. We'll link those. Great books, great audiobooks, if you prefer an audiobook too. So the Blue Ocean Strategy really gives you the ability to make your own rules and it really makes competition irrelevant when you kind of shift out of your industry box and into kind of the the blue ocean strategy so that's that's going to be my solution for number 1 if you need to differentiate yourself you really need to start thinking blue ocean strategy with that being said so let's say picture um red box blue box right so first we have the red ocean we have the blue ocean if the red ocean is, you know, all current industries and niches in the market space. So everything that's out there that is a business uh, industry or niche, those are in the red ocean. All boundaries here are already defined and accepted. I call it being inside of the box. Like you said, Chip, when you kind of started this and your first few years in business, you absolutely thought that, you know, I'm an advisor this is I show up in these places. I use these phrases i you got to kind of fall in line and do what everybody else is doing. that's what's those boundaries are defined and accepted. That's when you're very much in the red ocean and I would bet that most people listening are currently in in that red ocean or inside the industry box
1: and i th- I think that the analogy for the red ocean is important if i remember right from having read i haven't read uh, the blue ocean shift uh, yet though i'll i'll check it out now after we get off the podcast but the red ocean is uh, uh, symbolic of the fact that's where all the other sharks and predators are right i mean that's it, it's red for a reason uh and, and that's because there's already an awful lot of uh of in our case, advisors kind of playing in that space. And so th- there's the old blood and the water analogy is really, I think this kind of takes on a, you know, a, a, a tone of the fact that uh, you don't want to be in the place where all the other people are.
2: Absolutely. Exactly. And so, but then it's tricky to just tell someone that. And I bet everybody's heard that, right? Like, get out, don't be in the box, you know, try to think outside the box. It's harder to put into practice without some kind of of method behind it. And that's what I want to get to is really that we're not just going to say, don't do that, do this. We're going to give you a little bit of a kind of direction. So if that is the red ocean being inside of the box, the blue ocean is kind of the new unknown market space. It's the untapped market space. It is untapped by the competition. So nobody's out there selling the new thing, the new opportunity that you're going to come up with that will be the shift into the blue ocean. So in blue oceans, demand is created rather than fought over. So in the red ocean, you have to just jump out there and try to grab as many prospects as you can because everybody, all the other advisors on your street or in your town are out there trying to grab them too. And you got to get what you can get and run. In the blue ocean, you are literally... Finding a need, you are creating an opportunity and you are creating the demand for that. So, the fastest way, the most efficient way to find your blue ocean and to break out of the box, if you will, isn't, you know, to be the next genius who comes up with a completely new industry category or a new, entirely new product category and you're launching something entirely new into the world. That's not what we're asking you to do either. We're really asking you to kind of niche down inside your industry, then niche down a little bit more inside your industry until you can be really clear on a very specific group of people who have a very unique or specific set of needs. And then knowing that you have the skill set, your team has the skill set to provide a, a specific answer to that or a specific opportunity or solution to that group of people specific need.
1: Now, Bobby, I, I just want to be clear that there, there seem to be kind of two teams on, on this particular subject. You're either a niche person or you're a niche person. And and so you're team niche. I just want to go ahead and get that on the record. Am I right? Yep.
2: Get that on the record. I am team, team,
1: niche. team niche. Now, could you, can you give us an example of kind of being in the blue ocean or, or how we could get there?
2: Yes. Yeah, so let me kind of Let's put something in, in, the, in the wealth industry. Let's kind of look at what this could look like for an advisor. So if you are trying to niche down and niche down and niche down within your industry to find this really unique, specific group, use this kind of as a sample. So if your core market is wealth, that's the, that's the kind of general industry. Your sub-market is going to be entrepreneurs. So wealth, then down to you've niched down to entrepreneurs. From entrepreneurs, I don't want you to stop. I don't want you to say, hey, I sell wealth management services to entrepreneurs, period. That's not enough. It's not good enough. It's not different enough. It's not going to get you far. So don't stop there. We're going to niche down a little bit further. And we're going to choose a category. And these things typically unfold naturally for you. These are people you already have connections to, it's something that matches up with your skill set, your life experience, your, you know, something. So these typically aren't just pulled out of thin air. But for this, we're going wealth entrepreneur. Let's go into medical entrepreneurs. So our niche is medical entrepreneurs. Let's go one step further and let's micro niche down into medical entrepreneurs who are innovators who need the guidance and support of a financial advisor as they start to develop teams and companies to create new ideas, technologies, products, and services across the medical field. There are a slew of these. This is, a, this is a huge movement, actually, with new entrepreneurial medical industry kind of innovators, people who are creating apps and tech and all this cool stuff in the medical field. That is a really specific market, and it's a much bigger market than you would think. Not that you need a big market. Really finding your way down to that really specific Subset of people who are doing this specific thing, how can you help them? I'm sure that there is an advisor out there who has a specific idea or even a passion about how they can really help these people in this kind of micro niche stabilize and scale their finances, manage their wealth long term, make good financial decisions as they're making movements with these companies and with all the different technology. So I think that's a good unique example. And it doesn't have to be as, you know, kind of out there as a, as a medical entrepreneur who's innovating, you know, technology. But I hope that kind of gets across the idea.
1: Yeah. And and I think that one of the things that we have to get out of as financial advisors is the idea that for there to be enough of a particular kind of micro niche, I'm going to go team niche for a minute, <laughs> um, just just so that we can balance that out, that This really is – you have to embrace the idea that that the world is flat and that you don't have to to deal with folks just in your immediate area. And it it really – and I forget the – we can link to it in the notes, but I forget the the guy who wrote the article. I think it's called 10,000 True Fans or 1,000 True Fans, I think it is. And and it really gets into the notion that you need a, a small number of the right kind of people and I, I think that for us, and, and I completely agree with the idea of really getting kind of down to the bottom of a very specific subset of people, I think that requires us to really kind of get out of what might be our comfort zone that we only do business with people in our local area and there might not be enough of them.
2: Absolutely. Number one, there are enough, period. The, the smaller group that you are really targeting and working for, the more experience you have dealing with those specific situations, the more of an expert you become on that micro niche topic. And chances are you're going to be the only expert on that micro niche topic in your area or anywhere around. So you will be the the go-to guy for that. So niching down is, is not a scary thing. Niching down is really the sweet spot. That's where success comes. Another example that might not be so kind of off the wall is that the medical entrepreneur would be um, a partner of ours who happens to be a wealth management private practice who specializes. So let's, let's break them down. Core market for them would be wealth. Their sub-market would be female entrepreneurs and business owners. And then their niche from there is really female business owners who like an intuitive approach. So these ladies really pride themselves on having kind of a a sixth sense, on being really intuitive. And it is really partly because they're female and females are just made up that way. They really work with women who want to sit down and really have in-depth, personal conversations who want to really dig in about how they feel about things more so than your typical wealth management client. I know you have to get really personal in general to dig out all the information for these clients, but really it's a different approach. It's a much more personal, a much more kind of intuitive, feely, if you will, relationship that they have. That's their kind of niche, their micro niche is you know women who really want to dig into their feelings and make their decisions kind of from their gut, make intuitive and emotional almost decisions in a good way, not a bad way, if that makes sense.
1: For sure. And and emotions are a big part of what we deal with as advisors every day. And so that group is fantastic at really working with that subset of clients to make sure that, that they get exactly what it is that they would be looking for and I think they've been real successful in having and attracting folks who who fall into that category. I think it's been incredibly successful for them. Now, as we begin towards wrapping up, what what do we if we buy into the blue ocean strategy and so we want to and we we're willing to do some of the work to really define some of these things that we're talking about, how do we do that? Is there a process for that? How do we get there?
2: All right. So here's how you get there. You take the information you just figured out, your core market, your sub market, your niche, your micro niche. Keep going down until you get crystal clear. Once you have that crystal clear, you pick it up and you step out of the box with it. Once you are out of the box, you are officially into your own blue ocean. And I want you to then work on doing the work to package and position this opportunity. So what you've really narrowed this down to is this micro niche and you are packaging up an opportunity that is incredibly specific for them. So how do we package that opportunity and really help you position yourself in your blue ocean outside of the box from everybody else in the industry where you really have no competition because no one else that you know is going to really be putting this much time, effort, energy into perfecting the service for this specific micro niche. So we're going to take it outside the box. We're going to package it up. So this gives me kind of the big number 2 with the mistaken identity where i said, you know, this guy did this too fast, this guy didn't do it early enough. We need to pause them both and really start on building their brand foundation. This is where we're at. So, we are now at kind of packaging up and putting back together what they can now both from either side do. What you can do now that you've gotten really clear on on your micro niche and and what your blue ocean looks like. And this is complicated but incredibly simple at the same time. So what we have to do is create a creative brief or a a brand Bible or a value proposition or one of 50 other things that it's called across different industries. But ultimately, we refer to it typically here as a a creative brief. And what we're doing is really taking that opportunity, packaging it all up into a few categories and documenting it. So we're going to get really clear on who you are as a company. We're going to write out a paragraph about what is your culture? What are your beliefs? What is your mission and your passion, your reason that really kind of fuels your company? So who you are as a company. Next, we really want to get clear on who are your specific people. So those people we just figured out that we can create a unique opportunity for who are they? What do they need from you? What do those people say about you? in some of their own words, we want to document that on a page in this creative brief. Then we want to move on to really what is the life-changing opportunity or solution that you're providing for those people. So we want to take another page here, if you will, and get really clear on mapping out this solution. Create kind of the customer journey here. What is it? How do you deliver it? What does it look like? Put it on paper. And getting really clear on your unique client experience, I think, is key. So really, how are you providing it What's the journey? And then last, you get to put the pretty bow on it, if you will. And that's how do you visually represent all of that? So you've got all of this documented now. What does it look like? So this is where you can take all the information in this document and you can get really clear on what colors represent that best. What type of images represent that best? What should your logo look like that can really mirror this? It doesn't have to be, you don't have to get super literal with your logo. It can be a random shape of some sort. It's when people see that that they think of you. You'll eventually build that brand loyalty. So I don't want you to, to get too literal with your logo, but putting all that together really just comes up with the overall visual vibe of your business. And you want to make sure that you have a page dedicated to that to be clear on that. What are your fonts? What are your colors? All that. All that together goes into one nice put-together document, and that is your creative brief. So you're really just taking all that information, getting really clear on it, but you need to do the work, really sitting down and talking out, researching, asking questions of your team, asking questions of your clients, and getting really clear on all these pieces. And then really just dumping, brain dumping that information into a document and you have a creative brief. So that's really your your solution number two. Solution number one is your blue ocean strategy, getting clear on what you can do different. And solution number two is, document it all. Get that creative brief in place. And then one quick last kind of spin on that is once you've created that entire creative brief, I want you to condense that brief into a short one or two sentence statement that will be what you've probably heard of as a positioning statement or an elevator pitch. So packaging it all up into your creative brief is really kind of the, the new vehicle that you'll have to leverage this new brand and, and really get yourself positioned properly.
1: I know that in my experience with, with having gone through this process, one of the things that has been really helpful for me is the notion of kind of a measure twice, cut once, uh, of doing a lot of this work on the front end and doing it, a lot of the thinking and the talking through one time, and then being able to, you know, as, as advisors, the only thing we really, uh, along with our expertise that we have to sell is our time. And I, I've found that by developing this creative brief, one of the things that it's done for, for me is it has given me the opportunity to have, have done a majority of the, the work so that then after that, I'm, I'm able to leverage it. A, as a tool and am I right Bobby that we're going to be able to put on the on, on our website uh, a template for one of these creative briefs
2: Absolutely so we're going to put this in the vault and it's going to be a sample of a a full real creative brief for you and then a template with prompts to help you create your own creative brief because I think that without this document you're you're lost so I think it's hugely important. I think everybody needs to have it. You need to have it. If you hire a marketing agency, you give them this and they lead with it. If you have an administrative assistant who's posting on social media for you, give them this. They need to lead with it. They can pull copy snippets from it. They can pull you know your visual everything from it, but really they can be crystal clear. I wouldn't let anybody work On anything that is front facing for your business without having read this, give it to your team. They all need to read it. Give it to every contractor you use. They all need to read it. It's really crucial that you lead with it everywhere. And then once you have it really mapped out and together, everybody understands it, gets it, is on the same page. You want to use this to lead for your website copy, your social media profiles, all marketing materials, whether it's a brochure that you've created for your office, if it's postcards that you mail out, everything. This should be the foundation or the root of everything that you create and put out into the world. Your digital and print advertising, you should lead with it at your team meetings. Every time you bring in a new client for a discovery consult, you should absolutely lead with this, With at the very least, with your your positioning statement or elevator pitch piece of it. And then if you're doing any kind of networking, if you're doing interviews, if you're doing speaking presentations, lead with it. This is everything. This is who you are and it's what you should lead with every time.
1: I would just add to that kind of to to put a bow on that one, that this is the kind of thing that in an ideal world, if you are making a change uh, from one broker dealer or, or a to another, this is the kind of thing that you can really use as you are doing your planning to, to really go out and, and hit the ground running. And I think that from my standpoint, we had, we hadn't done, I think at the time the full creative brief, but we had some, real clarity around where we were headed when we founded uh, our practice. But it's the kind of thing that that in watching other advisors transition over the last couple of years, I've seen an awful lot of lift that comes from really using this process as, getting, as to getting clear for what it is that you're going to be telling clients. Uh, and, and that can also be true if you're going through a repositioning and, and you're if you're wanting to make a transition from commission based business to fee business, or you're going to do more remote and virtual work, I think that, that at any time you're going to make a change in your business, you're going to evolve, I think is a good opportunity to really go through this process and to use the process. And, and ultimately, I guess the creative brief, use that to explain where you're going, kind of your vision, And to your clients, because I I believe that uh, our clients come to us for for leadership. That's that's what they're looking for. They trust us when times are tough or when with their kind of most sensitive information. And I think that this helps us put our best foot forward in order to to really have a well thought out kind of positioning for for how we're going to explain these things to our clients. And I know, Bobby, that that's been a, a big help for us. Having gone through the process. Bobby, normally we like to ask kind of one last question of all our guests. So I'm hoping that that you'll have one last kind of tip for us. What's the one thing that you think advisors can do today? So we want to be an action-oriented podcast for growth-minded advisors. What's the one thing you think that advisors can do today to make sure that they're well positioned?
2: I think that what an advisor would have to do today is just pause and do a quick evaluation so see where you are just because you can't move forward until you know where you are period so whether that's with your marketing whether it's with your brand whatever just take a pause look over the stuff that we've we've kind of gone through today are you the case of the mistaken identity are you the guy that's following everybody else just get clear write write down on paper take out a journal jot down where you think you stand today on that once you're clear on that You'll be able to take a lot of information in this episode and know where to start to move forward. So, I think the key is just getting, just knowing where you stand. So, do a quick self evaluation. Just stop for a minute. Where are you? What does that look like? And then make a plan of action to move forward from there.
1: That's, that's fantastic. Bobby, you've been, uh, you've been great and shared a lot of awesome information with us. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the show. I really appreciate you being here.
2: Absolutely. Anytime.
1: Now, if you want to take another step from what Bobby said, and you want to take it a step farther, you can go to our website, MaximumAdvisor.com, and you can download uh, the Maximum Advisor scorecard, which is what this entire first season of the show is really kind of operating from. If you want to really kind of see where you stand in the branding and positioning process, along with the other seven mindsets that we've developed of Growth-Minded Financial Advisors, I encourage you to check it out. Again, it's MaximumAdvisor.com. You'll find our scorecard. You're, you're welcome to download that from the vault. And then also, as Bobby mentioned, the creative uh, brief template is going to be there if you want to use that uh, as a part of figuring out your blue ocean. I encourage you to jump on over and check it out, or you can join us in the Facebook group at Maximum Advisor on Facebook. I look forward to talking to you again real soon with more great guests, and we'll be back at you real soon.
0: To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com scorecard now. Subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.